Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles, would you, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 4 in a Bible study of I've entitled The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Notice with me Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know that seasons are times which the Father has put in his own authority, but, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus, just prior, had told the disciples that they were to go into all the world and make disciples, preaching the gospel. But before they were to go, they're given this command to wait. And anyone that has ever waited for anything knows how difficult waiting is. Uh, We desire things now. We want to accomplish things now. And you can get the sense of, man, God has given us a mission, so we're ready to go. But before they were to go, they were to wait. And it's true for you and I. Before we are to go and do anything for God, we are to wait. And in this case, they were given us a very specific promise to wait for what would come upon them not many days from now. Now, they didn't know what it was, except that it was a promise, a promise of power. They didn't know how it was going to come. They didn't know when it was going to come, except for a few days. But I do know this, and let me just say this for those of you waiting presently right now. When the Holy Spirit comes, they would know. So they don't have to have it all written out for you. You don't have to have all the details. I mean, I think of all the waiting that's in the room today. And let me just say this. When God comes through, you will know. It will be abundantly clear. When God comes through, boom, the waiting is over and God's promise is fulfilled, just like we see here. Now, if I was to ask you the question, do you want limited power or unlimited power? Which one would you choose? I hope it's unlimited. I hear a little bit of limited in there. Is it all unlimited? I mean, of course, it's a silly question. I mean, uh, let me ask it a different way. Okay, power, we think of power. Let me ask it a different question. Let me ask it a different way. If I said to you today, do you want limited money or unlimited money? What would you say? I mean, of course, we want unlimited. That which would bless and encourage us. We want an unlimited supply. And it's true in our lives, whether we vocalize it or not, we want an unlimited supply of the power of God. Imagine that, the power of creator God, the resurrection power is available to you in unlimited form. If you'll just ask him, you'll just yield to him and you'll just surrender to him. (laughs) So for those of you that said unlimited, I wonder how many of you 
are the type of person that likes to drive your car or truck or SUV on empty. Anybody drive their car on empty or below empty? Are you one of those people that says, well, I know I can get 35 more miles before I have to. I know the light is on and I know it's before, but I can just keep going. Or now with the electric cars, you know, I know I can push this battery as long as I want. And you live on fumes. That's how you drive. You drive on fumes. Thank you for laughing at that. Because I want you to consider how many believers live their life on fumes. Seeing how far they can go on their own. Seeing how far they can go living in compromise. Seeing how far they can go avoiding the word of God. Like you don't read the, like, you know, I mean, I'm not naive. Yeah, I know some of you didn't even open your Bible this week. You're living on fumes. You didn't open your Bible for a month. You might even be dabbling in things religious and you're just really not taking the things of God seriously. And you're living on fumes. When God has everything available to you, but you choose to kind of live on the edge, try to make it happen, try, well, I've I've, I've made it this far. Yeah, you're going to make it this far until you don't on the grace of God and the goodness of God, until you crash and burn. God has touched our hearts, church, and inspired us. He's For most of us listening right now, we have been born again of the Spirit. We are new creations in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. New life, new direction, new hope, new strength, new power, everything. Everything's a brand new vistas of unlimited potential of what God wants to accomplish in your life. And here we are still dabbling in things in our own strength, our own methods, our own plans. You know, Pastors today are executing, right now as I'm, as I'm speaking, they're executing programs and plans that they purchased to run their church. They, they figured it out. Some expert told them what to do. They bought it. They figured it out, and they're giving it to the church today. Instead of teaching the Bible, instead of praying, instead of fellowshipping, they're executing plans and programs. And Christians do the same thing. They go out and they work the plan and they work the rules. And here you are saved still holding on to yourself, unwilling to surrender. You trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You read Psalm 30, you're like, oh yeah, I'm so glad. God, you don't mark my iniquities anymore, but that's where you've stopped. You're so grateful for forgiveness, but your life in Christ just seems to be dull, dry. Some of you might even describe it as boring. Let me ask you this. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you received the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life? Because for many of you, your life is still you. It's still you. It's still centers around you. You've taken taken Christianity as a system of belief, and you've kind of added it to your life. You've added a little bit of the principles to your marriage. No, you haven't surrendered your marriage. That's why you're still struggling. You haven't surrendered your role as wife or your role as husband under the Lord. That's why you're still struggling. That's why you're still fighting. That's why you have unlimited sessions with your counselor because you haven't surrendered to the Lord under the power of the Holy Spirit. The answer is right before you. That's why you're still into pornography. That's why you still lie. It's why you still steal. Because it's you. And you you know, that's not Christianity. That's religion. That's dabbling and creating a God in your own image. Christianity is a person. The person and work of Jesus Christ. And he didn't just die to save you. He died to use you for his kingdom. Surrendered. 
(laughs) You haven't accepted perhaps the fact that you belong to God and you need his power to live a life that's dynamic and powerful. So today's so exciting because I'm going to introduce to you the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God to help you press through what you are currently facing and to get through day by day abiding in him. You have to understand as we launch off into the book of Acts, we are still pre-church, if you will. We're still pre-church. We're going to get to the birth of the church in chapter 2. So we're still reading about a group of people that are reeling from life circumstances. I mean, they spent three years following Jesus, my best friend. He gets arrested. He gets beaten. He gets crucified. He's buried. They abandon him. Like, we're still pre-church here. They're still all. So he, re- he, he rose again from the dead, we learn. He's with them for 40 days. Now he's assembled with them, and now he's giving them direction. And I don't know about you, but just you got to put yourself in their shoes. This is overwhelming. The last month in their life has been overwhelming, unbelievable. A a whole host of emotions. And now the future's before them. You're going to reach the world. I mean, imagine that. Some of you maybe have never left Colorado. Let's just, some of you have never left Colorado. Perhaps maybe never left the United States. And God says, look, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use this little church here on the corner of Hampton Biscay. You're going to reach the entire world. No airplanes, no cars, no internet, nothing. They, They just have a promise on top of everything else. And that's where they are. They're together with Jesus, where they need to be. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to show you a few things before we get into the text that are super important. Number one, there are four things in the Bible that God tells us he doesn't want us to be ignorant about. Four very important things that God wants us to know, study, and understand. And of course, for us as a church, as we teach you the Bible, verse by verse, we cover it all in the way that God wants it, in the way that God presented it. So here, number one, number one, God does not want us to be ignorant of his heart for Israel. God's heart, God is not done with Israel. He is not done. Contrary to a whole segment of the church today that says God is done with Israel, God is not done with Israel. Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. Specifically, Romans 11, verse 25, he says, I... For you, uh, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. The mystery he refers to in those chapters is God's dealing with the nation of Israel. You can read them. We studied in Romans. Uh, Those studies are available. You can see God's heart for the nation of Israel. He's not giving up on them. Number two, God does not want us to be ignorant of the rapture of the church. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of his coming. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 He says, for I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. And that whole chapter gets into the rapture of the church as it relates to those who have died and gone on be with the Lord and those that are still here waiting. Don't be ignorant of the rapture. Thirdly, God does not want his church ignorant about Satan's plans and strategies. Do you know there are people that say they're Christians today and deny that the devil is real? They don't want anything to do with them. They're like, no, I don't believe in a real devil. Well, then you don't believe in the Bible. Because as real as God is, God created the devil. He created this pristine angel who rebelled against him. 
In Satan's plans and strategies in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Don't be ignorant of Satan and his strategies and the things he does to come against you. Let me give you one strategy that hits every single one of you. The devil loves to mess with your mind. He loves to attack the mind. He loves to throw seeds of doubt, discouragement, and basically straight up lies about God and lies about you so that you will doubt God. Because he knows that what you believe is how will dictate how you behave. That's just number one strategy. We can go on and on for that, but that's not our study today. Number four, the last thing that God does not want us ignorant about is spiritual gifts. And the work of the Spirit in our lives. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You could say God says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and how the Spirit works. I don't want you ignorant of that. Now, isn't it interesting that the four things that the Bible specifically says he doesn't want us to be ignorant of, number one, are areas of ignorance in the church today, and number two, areas of arguments in the church today. That's how the devil loves to make you argue about things so that you're off, moving off, arguing about this, fighting over this, and you're missing the clear part of the scriptures. The clear, that God has a heart for Israel. Yeah, but, no, no but. Just know that God has a heart for Israel. Yeah, but there, there are spiritual gifts ready that God wants to empower you and you have a special place in the body. Yeah, but you know, I don't think the spiritual gifts exist. Well, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because if the spiritual gifts don't exist today, well, maybe some of them. Oh, so how do you decide which ones are here? To, and you get caught up in all of your human thinking instead of yielding yourself to what the Bible clearly says. And so God doesn't want us ignorant of spiritual gifts, the power, the presence, the person, the holiness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so the topic of the Holy Spirit is this sharp debate, even over the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some will come and you'll tell somebody about this in your family or friends. You go, oh, you don't believe in that. Well, yeah, I do believe in that. As a matter of fact, the topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know where the phrase came from? Jesus. He said to these believers, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Power come upon you. Just like water baptism. Remember, he, he compares it to the baptism of John. Now, what John was doing when he was baptizing in the Jordan River is that he was taking full-grown adults and immersing them in water, just like we do. And, not, and what we do in the Jordan River when we go to Israel, but here, it's not Jordan River, it's Aurora water right here. We fill it from the hose outside right here in the sanctuary. If not here, we used to go into the, into the uh, Aurora Reservoir, and you can be baptized with the fishies out there. And then not too long ago, we used Parker water with chlorine in it down at the rec center. It's water. It's water. Nothing special about the water. It's just water. And as you're baptized with water, John, he would take a full-grown adult and fully immerse them and then bring them up out of the water. So in your mind, the word baptism is very significant in a relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit. Because I want you to picture this. It's the same exact Greek word. Actually, baptism is just a transliteration of the Greek word baptizo, and it means to be submerged. 
So the idea of baptism with the Holy Spirit is that you are completely submerged and covered by the Holy Spirit as if you were baptized in water. That, that he is completely, completely controlling you. Every facet of your life. So come back now to verse 4 and let's walk through a few verses together. It says, being assembled together. Mark that phrase, assembled together. This is an important part of church life, what you're doing right now, assembled together. It's important that we get together in these larger gatherings. It's important that we get together in smaller gatherings. It's important that we're together, two or three, Jesus is in the midst. It's important that we pray for one another, being assembled together. And notice they're assembled together with Jesus. That, that's the point. We can be believers together, but if we're not talking about the things of the Lord, we're not praying together, we're not speaking of those things that are eternal, then it's not really fellowship. You know, the word fellowship, as we'll get to in a future study, is the Greek word koinonia. And it has a beautiful picture of sharing together, sharing together. So when you and I are having Christian fellowship, we are sharing together our mutual relationship with Jesus. And so he's going to be in the midst of that. Think of how many conversations you have with other believers have nothing to do. I mean, even right now, already after this service, conversations will quickly turn to things that have nothing to do with the Lord. Like some of you are going to talk about the Dodgers after service today. Even as I'm talking about now, there is no spiritual fellowship. As much as I love the Dodgers, as much as they are God's approved team, there's nothing spiritual about the Dodgers. Nothing. And when we, wait a minute, stop that. If we turn our attention away from the word of God and we talk about sports, we talk about cars, as good as all that stuff is, that's not Christian fellowship. That's just two Christians talking about stuff in the world. And, and again, you can be good at talking about stuff in the world, but it has to be a bridge. You want fellowship. You want to be together. Jesus has to be in the midst of your conversation. That's where they are. And this is a beautiful thing. You're going to see this all throughout the book of Acts. We did not invent the church. <laughs> we just get to participate in it. And you know, as I was thinking, praying this morning, right? What we're participating in, every single generation of Christians have done the same thing you're doing today. And as Pastor Ian added, there are churches all over the world worshiping God today. <laughs> and we're a part of that. We're a part of what he's doing. So they're assembled together. Notice, he commands them, verse 4, not to depart from Jerusalem. Now, think about this. They were just told, go into all the world. And now he's telling them, don't you leave Jerusalem. And you're like, huh. But then he clarifies. He says, I want you to wait. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, which, you, which he said, you have heard from me. There's a previous promise we'll look at in a moment. And then he describes, because John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's a promising, he's telling them, wait. Wait because you're going to get something really, really special. There's going to be a special relationship with the Holy Spirit that you're going to experience not many days from now. I could even say today on behalf of Jesus, some of you, you're going to have a very special experience with the Holy Spirit that you're going to experience not many minutes from now. That God is ready to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He's ready to empower you. 
He's ready to take you from a level where you are right now and beyond. He's ready to do that if you'll just respond. He's ready to empower you, to strengthen you, to submerge you. You know, when you are water baptized, it's a great picture because you trust us. You trust us to hold, keep, you know, hold on to you, not to drop you. You trust us to have you bring you right back up out of the water. You know, because water baptism symbolizes the forgiveness of sins, you, some of you have so many sins, we hold you down for a while. <laughs> Little extra wash. But we bring you up. And I can't help but remember when I think of this, there was a sister many years ago, truly, truly fearful. I forget what the word was for it, but she was truly fearful of water. So much so she didn't take baths and rarely took showers in her life because she was very afraid of water. But she received the command to be water baptized. So for a whole year, we prayed with her, prepped her, readied her, said it's going to be okay till the day finally came in the, in the reservoir. And I mean, it was a battle to the very end. Each step that she took walking into the waters of baptism and that woman, I think she was in her 60s back then, that woman ended up obeying God, facing her fears, and she went down into the water. She trusted us. She trusted us. Her husband came out with us. We had a couple pastors. She trusted us with her life in the waters of baptism and her fears and her vulnerability. These are, these are things that God is calling you to do in the spirit of God. Some of you have just attached Jesus to your life and called it Christianity. Some of you have just adopted a new vocabulary, adopted a new habit perhaps of reading the Bible or talking to God in prayer. And you haven't really submerged yourself, baptized by the Holy Spirit, allowing, how, you, you and I, we don't baptize ourselves. What's our response? We ask and surrender. You can think of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a power that comes through surrender. And it comes from God. And we know the Holy Spirit is not a what, it's a who. He's a who. He's a person. You have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just introduced here. Jesus said he gave a promise previously. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is mentioned in other places in the scriptures. Jesus is the one that taught on such things. So did John the Baptist. You can just jot these down. I'll read them to you. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John says, I'm going to baptize you with water and to repentance. But then he says, Jesus, he will come. He'll baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. In Luke chapter 24, 49, Jesus promised the Father to those men he was walking on the road with, and he says, you'll be endued with power from on high. John chapter 1, verse 33, John again says, speaking of Jesus, this is the one that's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, with that in mind, I want you to turn over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Because it's such a debatable topic, I want to show you in the Bible where it is. I want to show you what the Bible has to say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are three experiences or relationships that you and I can have with the Holy Spirit as a person. Three various relationships, just like with people in our lives. You know, you think of the different relationships you can have with a person in your life. 
A person can be your friend and at the same time can be your dad and at the same time can be your boss. You can have three experiences with a person. You you can have uh, your wife be your best friend. She's your wife, but she's also your boss. You can have three different experiences with people. You can have many different experiences and relationships with people. Are you guys with me so far? Okay, so now you can have three relationships with the Holy Spirit. Let me show you what I mean. John chapter 14. I just want to show you guys awake. You guys with me? Who wants the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now? Yeah, good. Okay, well, I'm not done yet. So hold on. You need to wait not many minutes from now. Verse 14, chapter 14. Uh, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Jesus, who is this helper? Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So here we have in this section two of the three relationships a person can have with the Holy Spirit. The first one, and the way we're going to look at it is through the Greek words, the Greek prepositions. So experience number one is there at the end of verse 17, circle the word with, and right next to it, the Greek word para, P-A-R-A, para. This is the with experience of the Holy Spirit. Every single human being, saved and unsaved, has the with experience with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in the world drawing a person to God. Before I became a Christian, the Holy Spirit was with me. The Holy Spirit makes us restless and hungry for the things of God. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and brings a person to an understanding of their need for forgiveness of sins and salvation. Often it's referred to as this pull from God, a tugging to repent and get right with God. Everyone listening to my voice has experienced the para. Some of you experience the para right now. You are not saved. And the tugging of the Holy Spirit's happening in your life right now, convicting you of sin. The second relationship there is at the end of verse 17. It's the word in, I-N. See that? Circle it. It's the Greek word E-N. Very similar. This is the in experience. This is going to happen with this group of believers in just a few chapters in John chapter 20. We're going to read in a moment how Jesus breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. They don't have that now. Jesus says, you're going to have it, you don't have it now. Because when you receive the Holy Spirit, you then are born again. The Spirit of God comes into, in a person. Not with a person, but now in a person. Imagine that. You and I have the Holy Spirit in us right now. When I committed my life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came into me to dwell permanently in my life, to seal me for all eternity, to be the down payment for my future glory, the Spirit of God in us. And we became, imagine this, we became the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Unbelievable, the work of the Spirit in our lives. Every born-again believer has the Spirit of God in them, which brings us to the third experience, 
back in Acts. So come back to me with Acts chapter 1. I'm going to show you one more preposition that Jesus uses to describe your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, chapter 1. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Circle that word, upon. It's the Greek word, api, E-P-I. And this is the upon experience of the Holy Spirit that is described as being baptized by the Holy Spirit, fully submerged into the presence, person, and power of the Holy Spirit. This is promise to people that already have the Spirit of God in them, according to John chapter 14. This is where the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer for empowerment and service. Circle that word in verse 8, you shall receive power. Circle that word power, and right next to it, dunamos. Dunamos. Different variations in the Greek depending on how it's used. But you, that word may sound a little familiar to you. It's where we get our English word dynamite, dynamite. And many a pastor through the years, yeah, I think even I did in the early years, used that word to describe, this is the kind of power the Holy Spirit wants to give you, the dynamite power of God. I don't like that illustration anymore because dynamite is destructive. It causes chaos. It's powerful for sure. And I do think it's an accurate illustration of dynamic power. But instead of dynamite today, I like the word dynamic. I like that. As a matter of fact, if you look up the word, it also even speaks of making a person capable. Think about this. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon a person that was incapable. And after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God makes them capable. Capable for what? To be witnesses. Not to go witnessing, but to be a bona fide witness. You know what we've been saying throughout the years? I think it's even up on the, on the screen. What, I've been, what we've been saying these last two, last two years at least, uh, it's been the pattern of our church, but at least the last two years, the power of the Holy Spirit helps you to be the church. Right? The world's going to be the world. They're going to act like the world, sound like the world, do things against Christ, against God. That is the world. But only you can be the church. You go, but it's so hard to be the church. No. The baptism of the Holy Spirit makes you capable. It gives you power you don't currently have. The Spirit of God working in you. Let me show you another one. Turn over to John chapter 7. Listen to how Jesus describes this relationship you have with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7. I love this passage of scripture because it always takes me back to Israel. I always reserve, we we share our teaching in Israel when we take people, but I always like to reserve this one for me. I love this one. It's on the teaching steps just outside the walls of the old city. We're up high. You can look down and you can see into the old city down. We know the pool of Siloam is down there because a couple days earlier, if you walk through the, the Hezekiah's tunnel and you walk through the whole tunnel where they came together, you end up in the pool of Siloam. That's where you end, where we all gather together in the pool of Siloam. And the pool of Siloam is very important because during the feast that's referenced here in John chapter 7, every day of the feast, the priest, a priest would go down with a, with a large container to the pool of Siloam. He would fill that container up. He would bring it back, come up through the teaching steps, and he would pour it out near the altar as an example of the, the great and wonderful work of God and the power of God and, and his presence in their lives. But on the eighth day, he wouldn't bring anything. He would bring an empty because it's completed and it's over and, and God has satisfied 
the people there, and that's on that eighth day without water that Jesus says this. Notice with me verse 37. It says, on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, listen, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Don't you want rivers of living water to come out of you? Don't you want to be so saturated in the Holy Spirit that what you say, what you think, what you do reflects the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? You don't want just a drop. You don't want just like, you know, to, to, to have somebody splash your face. You have the ability of today, you, have, you and I have the ability day by day to have the Spirit of God flowing so powerfully in us that he comes out of us in abundant torrents of living water. And you know as well as I do, we don't live every day like that or every week. Some of you for months. Life gets hard and challenging. Things come our way where, man, as much as we know this, they sap our very strength. This living torrents of living water. You go, what, Ed, what does that mean? Jesus said it in verse 39. He said, he's speaking to us about the Spirit. The powerful work of the Spirit in our lives. Turn over to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Jesus is at the end. He's, this is after his resurrection, but it's before this time in Acts. Listen to what he says. He's gathered together on the first, verse 19, chapter 20. He's on the first day of the week. The doors are shut. Jesus comes in, tells them, peace be with you. Uh, this is the disciples. Um, they're gathered together, it says, because they're fearing the Jews. Verse 20, when he had said this, he showed his hands and his side, and his disciples were glad, and they saw the Lord. And Jesus said again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. And then notice what he says. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So what just happened to these disciples? They received the Holy Spirit. It's a pop quiz. What just happened to the disciples here? They received the Holy Spirit. What experience did they just receive? The inexperience. This is in John 14. He says, you don't have the inexperience, but you will. Where did it happen? John chapter 20. Many of these people in John 20 are with Jesus now 40 days later in Acts chapter 1. And those that have received the inexperience, Jesus is telling them, there's one more. Don't leave Jerusalem. You could even say today, don't leave this sanctuary. Don't turn off the radio. Don't click off your online stream until you receive the promise of the Father. That is his will for your life to take your life from a dull, uneventful, what you may even describe as boring religious activity to the highest levels where the streams of living water saturate your life. Saturate your life. Being saved, but then willing to surrender are two different things. The difference between the two could be as wide as night and day. So many believers today are tired, burned out, feel like they're ill-equipped, or how about this word, incapable of serving God, but you just haven't received the power. 
You haven't acknowledged the power. You haven't been living in the power of God. You're saved. You receive the inexperience, but not yet the upon experience. You might be like Peter. You can jot it down in John chapter 21. Before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know what Peter wants to do? He's so caught up with everything, he wants to go back fishing. You know, it's already over. What are, all our hopes and dreams are over. I'm just going to go back fishing. And other people followed him because he was such a dynamic leader. He, unfortunately, he gets all this uh, attention for his mistakes, but man, his leadership was far greater than his mistakes. He was a major leader. People followed him. When he went back to work, he'd go, I guess I'll just go back to my former life. It was a great ride with the Messiah. It was a great ride with Jesus, but I'm going to go back fishing. And I know that so many make the same decision. You just go back, regular routine, just like you wake up, take a shower, brush teeth, go to work, come home, regular routine, regular routine. There's no dynamic of surrender to the Holy Spirit. Churches are like that too. You know, churches love... They, they, even in the book of Acts, before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when they choose another apostle, it's just all routine. Let's cast some lots. You know, here's what the Bible says. Let's take this into our own hands. Oh, we found two guys. Like, they were the only two people in the whole world that could take the place of Judas. But oh, we found two guys. And let's just cast lots and see which one it is. You know, churches do the same thing today. They got planning committees and Committees for this and committees for that and task force. They're always talking about doing things but never doing them in the power of the Holy Spirit. But something happens in Acts chapter 2. Changes everything. Peter, uh, please read ahead. Read through chapter 1, 2, 3. Go all the way to 4 at least and see a different man. Peter's not fishing anymore. He's preaching. What happened? This is the guy in John 21. Let's go fishing. It's already over. And now in Acts chapter 2, he, off the top of his head, preaches a message that takes about, I don't know, three minutes to read, and 3,000 people get saved. When he went fishing, no fish got saved. They got caught, but they didn't get saved. But something happened. Read what happened in Acts chapter 2. You want to know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. The baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon that man. And changed Peter forever. I think of my own life. I was saved in February and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in September of that same year. And what I did as a born again believer, I believe in February I was truly born again, delivered from many, many things that were captivating me. Immediately, drugs and alcohol no longer became a part of my life, and other, other behaviors began to change. But I'll tell you what didn't change. What didn't change was my prideful arrogance that, oh, you know what? Christianity is just going to be another tool to help me live a better life. That's how I approached it. I mean, I loved God, and I loved Bible study, and I read, and I prayed, but my attitude was this. I think that Jesus is going to help me be a better man. I think Jesus is going to help me be a better, and I approached it that way. So much so, this is my, you want to know an insight? You want to know what Marie had to deal with? This is how it was. This is how it went. I remember reading Ephesians for the first time about the role of the wife. And I remember reading it like it was yesterday. I remember I have this photographic memory. I was like, this is amazing. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. It was so amazing. I said, Marie, we got to have lunch. I want to talk to you about what I found in the Bible. And we did. She was at work. I took her out to lunch, her favorite restaurant. I said, this is it. This is, this is the way it's always supposed to be. 
And of course, you know, I don't remember what she said. My memory is so fuzzy right there. <laughs> but I do know this. By September, she was ready to leave me again. She, we, she had already, many years before as unbelievers, we were off and on. We were married. She's ready to divorce me then. She's ready to leave me again in September. Same buddy invited me to church, popped back into my life. He says, Ed, you need to come to this men's retreat. And I'm like, what's a men's retreat? And I had men's conference. And I'm like, all right, I'll go. You know, he, again, he didn't know how messed up my life was. I go to this men's conference. Pastor Raul Reese was the pastor that put it on. And, and he came up to the podium in his session and he broke down convulsively weeping before he taught. And it blew my mind. I'm like, what is going on here? The only other man that I had seen cry like that in my life was my dad when he picked me up from jail. And he just looked at me and go, what, what a sad state of affairs my son has got himself in. And he cried for me then. So now I'm seeing another man cry. And then as he com composes himself, he says, you know, he just, all the sin in this room and all the broken marriage, and he just started laying into us as men. And I'm like, yes, yes, that's me. I don't know what to do. That's why I'm here. And then he gave a very brief study of what I did right now about the power and baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, that is what I need. I lack power and surrender in my life. And I prayed with him. And there were no fireworks in my life there were no you know I didn't speak in tongues in that moment I didn't start prophesying I just by faith believed a man that taught the Bible you're going to see that throughout the book of Acts too the Bible is taught it's received God works that's how it is the Bible is taught you're like oh Ed what do you do in this church every day all you do is teach the Bible teach the Bible yes that's my responsibility you know what your responsibility is receive it jot down notes Take it in. You don't want to know why? Because as I get to teach it, you get to receive it. The Spirit of God activates it in your life. And then change, life's changed. And by the way, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit radically changed my life. And what, Marie and I are 32 and a half years married by the power of God, not by the grace of God. It's a powerful testimony in my life. I could live those years. I, I was born again. I loved Jesus. I believed the Spirit of God was in me. I was understanding the Bible. My life was changing. I just lacked surrender. I lacked being submerged in the Spirit. I was doing it Ed's way. So much so I would read Ed into the Bible. You know why we have so much counseling here? People read themselves into the Bible instead of letting the Bible change them. They change the Bible. Well, you know, here's the answer. No, no, you don't understand. No, actually, you don't understand. This is the answer right here. This is what it says. Pray over it and do it. No, 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 you don't get it. No, you don't get it. And that is, that's a summary of every counseling session. No, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. That's our problem. When we don't understand, we go our own way. That's our problem. That's your problem, and that's my problem. And so I invite you today to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I invite you, like they did in Acts chapter 8, jot it down. Acts chapter 19, jot it down. Acts chapter 2, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a real, valid experience to have with the Holy Spirit. You go, but wait a minute, Ed, I was taught that when I was saved, I got all the Holy Spirit. Are you saying I only got partial? No, 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 and that's not what I'm saying at all. 
you indeed did get the fullness of the relationship you can have with the Holy Spirit coming in you. Yes, you did. You got it all. And there's more. Do you want more? Because there's more. So, well, wait a minute. I, didn't I get all the Holy Spirit? How can I get more if I got all? Because there's more. There's another facet to experience God. There's another dynamic to experience God. There's another source of power to experience God. It's like, wait a minute, Ed. I received the Lord. Do I really need to get water baptized? Yes. Why? Didn't I get fully saved? Yes. You want to know why? Believers get water baptized. Well, do I really need to go to? Yes, you need to go to church. Do I really need to go? Yes. Because there's so much more available to you. God wants to save your marriage today. He wants to save your purity as a single. He, he wants to save your bad attitude at work. He wants to save your frustration and anger. He wants to make you a man or a woman that walks in the spirit. You know, one of the attributes of the Spirit, I just think this is a word from the Lord for someone. You may even been using this word. You may even been saying, I just want to be more gentle. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. God wants to give you gentleness today, like a river of living water. So there are three types of people here as we close. Three types of people. While I'm speaking, turn over to Luke chapter 11. This is where we'll close today. Three types of people. Number one, there are those of you that need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ for the very first time. You need the inexperience. And I'm going to invite you to receive him in a moment. Secondly, there are those of you that have a relationship with Jesus and you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to invite you to do that in a moment. And then there's a third category that says, Ed, I've been saved and I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, then the third category is that the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there's a filling, a continual filling and replenishment of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You go, Ed, how does that work? I don't know how it works. I just know as the Bible teaches, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be ye filled. Just like when you don't be drunk with wine, when you're under the influence of drunk with wine, that's what drunkenness is. When you're under the influence, then you're drunk with something. And so he says, don't do that. Don't be under the influence of any other substance but the Holy Spirit. Be under the influence of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And so then finally, I'm going to invite those to, be, to ask the Lord to fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit. Because whatever God has for us in the future... Whatever is up ahead for you personally, for us as a church corporately, whatever direction the world is, whatever issues God's going to require us to be the church, we must be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. We won't be able to make any progress, any type of change. We won't be able to morally change anyone, legislatively change anyone. We won't be able to do anything apart from the Holy Spirit. Anything. Now, notice in Luke chapter 11, Verse 9, he says, Jesus speaking, as I say, and I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it'll be opened. And if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? I mean, think about that. It's just, that's a silly illustration. What dad would do that? That's so mean-spirited. I mean, it's dangerous. It's abusive. 
That's what Father, that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, you know, what dad among you are going to be abusive to your kids? Your kid's hungry, you're going to get them food. You probably go over and above. You, if you could get them, you know, you, they want a piece of bread, but you go, no, I got more for you. We're going to take you to In-N-Out. That's where you'll get bread and everything in between. Like, I'll get you some fries, and on top of that, I'm going to get you two shakes, one of each flavor. Like, a dad loves his kids, Amen. A dad, a mom loves your kids. You're so maternal and loving. You're going to take care of your kids, love your kids, serve your kids. That's it. You're not going to give them a, a, a scorpion or a snake or a rock. So with that in mind, if you then, verse 13, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give to you those that ask of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> so just ask. Just ask, Father, we pray that you would speak to us as we close up and receive the power. We want to be under the influence of your spirit, God. We, we want to be under the control of your spirit. We want to be submerged in your spirit. We want to be made capable by your spirit. We want to walk in dynamic power of your spirit. I pray for marriages to be saved. I pray for singles to be pure. I, I pray for relationships to be mended. I pray, God, that right now, I think of some people right now, I pray you would bring great power of the Spirit in their lives and have them rise up and change their minds of the bad behavior and decisions they've made up to this point in life. And that only happens by your influence. Only, only the power of your Spirit. Only. We want to be like the early church, Lord, and keep and receive your promises. So if you're here today and you say, Ed, I've never given my life to Jesus, I want to experience with the Holy Spirit his forgiveness of sins for the very first time. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. And we want to give a chance for you today, both online, downstairs, uh, wherever you might be in the building, perhaps listening on the radio. God bless you. Who else would say for the very first time, I want to be born again. God bless you in the back. The inexperience. God bless you and you. This is the experience, right? The Holy Spirit's been with you all this time and has drawn you to this moment in time. God bless you in the back. This is what the Bible says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So pray with me. You could say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I believe you sent Jesus to live for me, to die for me, and I believe he rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I dedicate my life to following you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stay standing. Would you please, you guys, stay standing. All right. Invitation number two. Those of you that need and want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to stand right now because you are going to ask God, just like he said, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if that's you, you've never received. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time experience. Filling is continually. Baptism is one. And so today, if you'd say, okay, that's me. I want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I want that dunamis. I want that dynamic power. I need it. I want it. And I'm ready. This will be the day. I remember mine, September. I remember it. Some of you received it when you were saved. That's fine. Some of you received the in and the upon at the same time. That's great. But here you are now. And if you're not sure, this is the time. If you want, 
a dynamic relationship with Jesus right now with the power of the Holy Spirit, just right now, I want you to out loud ask him. Just say, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for you, but I can't ask for you. You have to ask for yourself, all right? Because that's what the Bible says. You, you need to wait for the promise. You need to receive it. You need to ask the Father for the Spirit. And so I'm going to pray out loud. You ask out loud and just say it however you would want to say it. So, Father, I pray right now in this room, just by the virtual laying on of hands, you would answer the prayer of the baptism of the Holy Spirit on many today. That you would give your spiritual gifts and purpose and rescuing dynamic power. That you would give the gift of prophecy and knowledge. You would give the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. God, you would give the spiritual gift of of endurance. and, And for that person, gentleness. That they would walk in the fruit of the Spirit in gentleness. We pray that by faith today, God. You said that dads, they know how to take care of their earthly sons. How much more? Do you know how to take care of us and give us of the Spirit when we ask? So answer that prayer, God. We hold you to your word as you answer that prayer in the lives of many today. Yes, yes, Lord. We affirm that in our lives. Okay, okay, you guys ready? Who needs a filling and a refilling of the Holy Spirit? You stand. That's everybody in the room now. Everybody in the room. Every, this is what we, we say, everyone, as we sing this last song, we say, God, fill us. Fill us afresh with your spirit. Rivers of living water. I'm telling you, church, I don't know what's in the future for us. I don't know what's up ahead. I don't know what avenue he's going to call us to, what new missionaries, what new church plants. I don't know who's going to share the gospel with the, with the person at Safeway today, who's going to go talk to their boss tomorrow, who's going to apologize. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. You need the spirit of God. You can't do it in your own strength. We go through the book of Acts and we're going to be the church and you're going to be reminded, you're going to be stirred as we sing this song. Let the Holy Spirit inspire you and say, just fill me, Lord, overflowing. Fill me. You go, what? Why should I be filled? Don't I have it all? I think it was D.L. Moody. I'll have to look it up. Maybe you could look it up. But I think it was D.L. Moody that said, why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I leak. (laughs) Like, all right, D.L., But it's true, right? The world just weighs down on you and you just got so much. You just let your guard down and we just like, be ye, that's the tense of that verb in Ephesians. Be ye continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And so let's just start, I like what Ian does, I'll take it from him. Let's just start with our hands up, kind of in a place of reception, right? We never have our hands up closed fist, right? It's always open fist, receiving receiving from our Heavenly Father. And let that be what God has for you as you leave today. Pastors will be up front here to pray with you. The Lord bless you, encourage you. And you know what? Email me all the stuff the Holy Spirit did in your life this week. Email me. Even the lightest, no complaints. Don't send those to me. Only send me this week things that the Holy Spirit did in your life. I'd love to hear them and maybe use them in a future Bible study. Without your name, of course. But you'll know. When I share it, you go, oh, that's me. Yes, it is. It's actually not you at all, is it? It's the Spirit of God working through all of us. Let's sing this on them. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223 or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. 
Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.